0: The Cut. The Cut. The Cut. The Cut. The Cut. The Cut. A couple months ago, I went to a party and struck up a conversation with a stranger. We're both milling around by a table full of drinks, and as soon as I introduced myself, this person was like, oh, did you ever find any art to go with your couch? I've been thinking about that, which is obviously really confusing, like, How does this random person I literally just met know about my living room? And it took me a beat to realize that the person listens to the podcast. That's how they know about my couch. And I immediately thought, oh my gosh, am I in a parasocial relationship? The term has gotten a lot of traction lately. It's a relationship where one party puts a lot of time, energy, and interest into someone who has no idea they exist. We've all been in one or another throughout the years. It's why millions of zillennials cried when Steve from Blue's Clues made a video to give grown-ups closure. I guess I just wanted to say that
1: after all these years, I never forgot you, ever. And I'm super glad we're still friends.
0: Or oh, when dozens of girls followed Timothy Chalamet down a New York City street this year to the Met Gala. Totally chill with just running up to him for a selfie. Whether it's with celebs like John Mullaney or Benifer 2.0 or just some college guy on his couch, everyone has opinions, has sides, feels like they know them, even when they don't.
2: I think you have to reach like a very specific height, like there has to be a, a bar for entry. Because I don't have many followers on anything. I have like a K here and there. Um, You have
0: 34.6K followers on Instagram. No. no. 20.6K followers on TikTok with 3.8 million likes. Okay, that's true. That's Taylor Roberts, the Cut's social media editor. Her job is to run the Cut's Instagram. She's the hidden face behind all the fun posts and captions, and with that job comes what feels like a requirement, encourage parasocial relationships.
2: One of our best performing posts was me posting a picture of everyone's favorite, Stanley Tucci, eating pasta, incredibly hot. And I made the caption like, POV, you're in Italy and this man sits next to you eating pasta. What do you say to him? And they got a lot of comments, and a lot of likes and a lot of shares because everyone loves Stanley Tucci.
0: Writing comments like, Stanley must never be denied and... He can sauce me any day. Harmless fun below an admittedly sexy Stanley Tucci.
2: But like in an everyone loves him way that no one actually knows him, but you want to tap into like this, this like cultural everyone wants to fuck Stanley Tucci moment, or at least just eat pasta with him for likes. And at the end of the day, I'm just feeling like, what am I
0: actually asking people? It's kind of unusual to ask a man you've never met to sauce you. I mean, yeah, but look, Feeding into our love of celebrity is innate. There'd be no boy bands or soap operas or comic cons without a parasocial relationship. They need us as much as we need them. The odd thing is, with Instagram and TikTok creating minor celebrities out of everybody, parasocial relationships are beginning to take on a whole new dimension. Case in point Couch Guy.
2: Couch Guy is insane. This, like, young woman, she went to a college to visit her long-distance boyfriend and set it to music. I think set it to an Ellie Goulding song, and I hope Ellie Goulding's making a fat check from so so like this. Oh.
0: What happens in the video is this young woman walks into a room with other college students.
2: She's got a little backpack, a little, like, rolly backpack, too, and... On the couch, hence the couch guy, the proverbial couch, is her boyfriend and I think
0: three other young women. Couch guy kind of leans forward, then slowly gets up to greet her.
2: What most people picked up on was that the reaction wasn't necessarily bells and whistles, ticker tape parade, screaming, running, hugging, kissing. He sort of just stood up and gave her a not so romantic embrace. And I think the general consensus is that the vibes were off.
0: It's a fairly innocuous video on TikTok that currently has over 63 million views and over 100,000 comments that are all mostly some variation of, hey bestie, your boyfriend's most definitely cheating on you. There have been recreations, commentary, frame-by-frame analysis.
3: Okay, so right at the pause, you can see a thumb on his back. She comes in girl scoots? Hello, I'm here to debunk the hand on back claim. I don't believe it is real. Is this all being said? This boy is definitely says as fuck. The phone handoff, real. The girl scooch,
1: real. I went to her actual page to see like a follow up video because she is fighting for her life in these comments because TikTok, y'all some savages.
3: I want to talk about these girls on the couch because these girls are not your friend. And before you say, oh, you don't even know them. I know them. We all know them. Even
0: Taylor herself went viral with her commentary on Couch Guy.
3: That poor girl just wanted to
2: visit her boyfriend at college, and I'm pretty sure she upset the space-time continuum.
0: The girl politely pushed back after days of commentary about her life, saying basically, he's not cheating, and you don't know my relationship.
2: And then the people who were commenting that were upset when she disagreed with them, as if, like, it was a relationship with two people that's now a relationship with millions of people. And they go in with, like, oh, I'm trying to help you, like, he's gaslighting you, and now you're gaslighting all of us, and it's like we're not in a relationship with those people
0: at all. The couch guy himself commented on this in his very last word on the matter. He said, quote, You're welcome for getting you off of berries and cream TikTok, but remember, not everything is true crime. Don't be a parasocial creep. Go get some fresh air. Take care. Unquote. So is this, like, normal? Why do parasocial relationships seem to be intensifying and reaching even non-celebrities lately? And does that really make us parasocial creeps?
3: I think that the way that I see fans defending or standing by an artist that maybe is getting criticism for doing something and... Oftentimes, for something that they totally deserve criticism for, and yet the fans sort of will like swarm and be like, "No, we we're we've got her side. We know her. We know it. she's going through a lot. Like this is you don't know her like I do." And it's like, "Well, neither of you knows her at all. Like this is just." in your head. About
0: four years ago, senior writer for The Cut Katie Haney wrote about parasocial relationships and becoming emotionally invested in strangers online.
3: I think it's probably only intensified since I wrote about it first because there are just a lot of different ways that people form relationships with social media personalities. I think a lot of people are maybe arriving at personalities in a less direct route. Now you could sort of stumble across a fight happening on Twitter or like something like the bad art friend from the other week and and get really all of a sudden invested in that when you maybe wouldn't have come across that material organically.
0: We're so inundated with bits of information about strangers, be it celebrities or random people that we come across on the Internet, that there can be no distinction between who we follow because of fame, or just out of curiosity, or for Katie, even following someone as a hate follow.
3: One of the people that I was writing about as sort of a hate follow, I've just converted into like a genuine fan. So I don't know what that says about the power of parasocial relationships. Wait, what was the shift? Uh, maybe just um, Stockholm syndrome. I don't know. Like I just <laughs> like following someone for... <laughs> Even if you think you're doing something ironically and you think you're kind of like making fun of someone, if you are with them long enough, maybe they can just grow on you.
0: And that shift can be surprising. But as weird as it is finding yourself suddenly texting friends about some college kids on the couch or the possible hidden messages behind John Mulaney's ex-wife showing her TikTok followers how to put on a duvet cover, it's even more unsettling being on the receiving end.
1: I read every letter.
0: Sam hosts the weekly radio show, It's Been a Minute with Sam Sanders, and he's used to getting tons of emailed feedback, good and bad. But one stood out so much that he had to post parts of it on Twitter.
1: This is a letter that I got on August 19th, 2021, at 3.06 p.m. Dear Sam, I'm writing to tell you that I will be taking a break from your podcast and all podcasts in general I'm a little sad about this because I have been listening to you for years and you have been my favorite for a long time. But I just have to take a break because it's just not a treat for me anymore. Take your latest show, for example.
0: The episode with Sam's idea about celebrity hygiene during the whole soap gate from this past summer
1: Producer, and the racialized
0: history of soap.
1: I don't think you would have done the discussion about soap if you were still living in Texas. I think it was just served to you by some lazy L.A. producer. I know you. Even though you consider yourself a private person, you have revealed yourself a lot over the years. Isn't that creepy? Yeah. P.S. I live in Camarillo, or Camarillo, so if you ever want to eat a burrito with me, come on down. Smiley face.
0: When you read that for the first time, what were you thinking?
1: I think what I was surprised by was just like the parts where she's just like, I know you, I know you, I know you. That felt creepy. Also, come and eat a burrito with me. Like, mm -mm. no, 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 no. I eat burritos solitarily. I think she could do a better job of understanding boundaries. But I also think that in the midst of this pandemic year, haven't we all drawn really close to voices and people and things that we don't actually know? if there was any time for parasocial relationships to flourish and perhaps grow in some unhealthy ways, of course it had to be this past year and a half of pandemic when we all were dealing with just extreme isolation. So I need to offer some grace to this woman writing me, kind of out of pocket. It was a really weird, shitty, strange year.
0: I didn't realize that the person was a, was a woman? That's so
1: so weird. When I shared it, everyone thought it was a guy. She yeah. was a woman. It was a
0: woman. Now what this burrito offering lady did was stepping over a boundary, a big boundary. But they aren't always like this. And there was something nagging at me that has been right beneath the surface of these newfound discussions about parasocial relationships. Do you think a part of the way that parasocial relationships are being viewed right now or like the negative slant on it right now is because women and girls are often the people that are viewed as the ones that are having that relationship towards celebrities so it's now considered kind of icky or something to judge
1: yeah yeah
0: like we think less
1: of it or think it's weird because women like it we can never embrace it like a thing that women like could be actually worthwhile and worth discussion (laughs)
0: because like so much of my childhood was spent like, memorizing facts about Leonardo DiCaprio that if I'd known, like, 15 years later, A, I'd be considered too old for him to want to date me, and, <laughs> I, and like, it would be considered something to look down upon, but it's actually just part of the job of, like, being a fan. I wouldn't have invested so much time. So this is
1: my whole theory about hard news versus soft news. I think that, like, hard news is just what prototypical straight white guys think is interesting and soft news is what everyone else thinks is interesting and soft news is more likely to have stuff that speaks to people of color and women and queer people we subjectively think that the most important stuff are the things that like chad thinks are important
0: our parasocial relationships just new romance novels or selfie sticks? a convenient landing place for misogyny when it was never an issue for dudes to feel like they could invite Tom Brady to Thanksgiving or whatever. To some extent, it's like, what's the harm? If I want to survive a friggin' global pandemic by feeling like Lizzo is my bestie, who's to say that's wrong?
3: It can help people feel less lonely in some ways. People, if they, you know, have a role model or someone that they genuinely really like and they sort of Keep up with that person's life and maybe that person like likes some of their comments once in a while or something. Like that can be that can feel really good. Like who doesn't want to feel like they're getting attention? But it's so easy to go overboard. So how far
0: is too far? When do we cross the line from fan to fanatic? From spectator to interloper. Katie created a litmus test for herself.
3: If you wanna follow a relationship online, try and put clues together yourself, maybe like have a group text about it piece things together that's one thing but if you are going to that person that you don't know and demanding answers I think that's where the line is for me I'm mystified when I see someone comment on say a post about a breakup and and be like you know well what happened and it's like are you kidding do you think that this person is going to respond to you directly where does that entitlement come from But there is some role that the influencer or or whoever it is plays in creating that idea because they are making you think that you have a window into their life. They're making you think that you're really a part of it.
0: A parasocial relationship is by definition one-sided. But what about when an influencer is creating the illusion of a friendship? When does that relationship stop being an illusion? And what happens when even real friendships start to feel parasocial?
4: It's kind of the age-old our social media personalities. Are they acting? Are they uh, a fake version of themselves, a heightened version of of themselves? And I don't really know at what point it is me and it isn't me. After the
0: break, I talked to YouTube vlogger Connor Franta about sharing his life with 20 million friends. If parasocial relationships exist on the frontier of our pandemic-constricted social spheres, influencers thrive in the bizarre hinterlands of that phenomenon. And like a celebrity who's performing on stage or on screen, or a couch guy who, frankly, never asked to be a part of this, influencers talk to thousands, sometimes millions of followers, and ask them to talk back. You have 8 million followers on Twitter. You have 4 million followers on Instagram. You have 5 million followers on YouTube. Why? Like, why would you want that?
4: Um, I begin to question the same thing. The older I get and the more I get into it. I'm like, hmm, this was a choice, wasn't it? It was a permanent choice that I didn't realize would be permanent at the time.
0: What number felt like enough and what number felt like too much?
4: I remember hitting milestones like 1,000 subscribers. And I'm like, who are these 1,000 people? You know, that that's an unfathomable amount of people. I grew up in a town of 4,500 people. So I started in like Minnesota, um, where I grew up as well, has like five, six million people in the entire state. So sometimes perspectives like that really <laughs> throw me for a loop where I'm like, wow, I have almost double the population of Minnesota on Twitter. Ugh.
0: Connor Franta is a YouTube vlogger who first gained a following through his YouTube channel in 2010. Just updates from a teenage Connor about his life being posted into a void.
4: It's my birthday! Yay! I'm super excited. And I'm home alone.
0: And back then, there wasn't really an expectation for what a vlogger or influencer was supposed to be.
4: I will say that I was definitely one of the first on YouTube, which is Mm -hmm. a really weird thing to say. It doesn't feel real now. I was trying to explain to some younger people uh, on TikTok I was talking to the other day at like an interview thing. I was like, it's hard to imagine, but imagine uploading a video titled How to Wear Pants 10 Ways. That would be the only video on YouTube titled that. And that was like uploading Anything to YouTube that's how long I've been on the platform.
0: He went viral in 2014 with his coming out video
4: (sighs) Okay. Hey, what's up you guys? So I'm sitting here in front of you with no script no plan no fancy editing And I'm just gonna be really honest and tell you that I'm gay. I think mine got a lot of attention because I was one of the first people that had like a large platform to to come out after having a large platform the video got it was like 10 million views overnight it had it has like a million comments and a million like or maybe a million likes either way it has it had so much interaction it was like five top trending topics on twitter i remember just being feeling so small in in something that was so big because i didn't expect it to be that big of of news
0: How do you process being a trending topic on Twitter?
4: (laughs) Um, With grace? Uh, No, it was terrifying. You do things without having fully processed it yourself. And although I had come to terms with being gay, I didn't know what it meant to be gay. Mm -hmm. And yet I told the whole world I was that. And then I was being bombarded with questions about it that I didn't have answers to. And attention around the topic that I didn't necessarily want there was like a threshold of I wanted people to know, to, I guess to stop asking me about it, but I guess I didn't think far enough ahead in that sense.
0: Because essentially twice the population of Minnesota knows your business. Did you feel a pressure to maintain that level of intimacy throughout all of your videos?
4: I've actually been thinking about this a lot more in recent years, how interesting it is that the internet and I guess just art in general rewards you for your pain and your trauma. The more you're willing to share, the more uh, rewards you're you're going to reap. So, a video that says like I'm happy is going to get ten views. A video that says revealing my trauma is going to get a million views. Anything that I upload that ha- that reveals some sort of inner personal struggle does just frankly better and people feel more invested in me for it. So there's this kind of sick cycle of knowing that, but not allowing yourself to take advantage of it, but then also being aware of it is tempting in a strange type of way.
0: In his new book, House Fires, Connor shares intimate self-reflective photographs and poetry, like one called Lost on My Better Days, by forgetting to record the good times, but quick to commemorate the pain. Is the book called House Fires? Because you low-key just want to burn it all down? Like what? Do you-
4: <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Um, I, I guess I called it house fires more so because I I see all the little struggles and all the little traumas that we go through. You know, the 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 little ones, the major ones, any anything that any person can go through as a form of a house fire. You know, you 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 build up this sort of safety net and then you have to eventually burn it down for better or for worse.
0: With two previous memoirs and house fires to bookend, a fan can feel like they know Connor. It's another outlet to get a glimpse at the social media star. I mean, isn't that the point? I can totally see it being an accident in the early YouTube days. But at this point, the parasocial-influencer relationship kind of seems like a science. So much of being a vlogger feels like you're just promoting a parasocial relationship. Do you feel
4: that? I could see how people could think that way, but it, you know, I know tons of vloggers who call their followers, their friends, or, you know, have some sort of nickname for their followers or whatever, and like make it seem more like a family. And I fully get that. I mean, a lot of these people, they're uploading, again, daily vlogs, streaming daily, responding to comments, recognizing names. So who's to say it isn't a real relationship to a certain extent in that case. And especially if the person who is, I guess, fostering the relationship in a way, the creator themselves, if they have good intentions behind it and they're not just truly some maniacal little demon profiting off of (laughs) (laughs) these unsuspecting souls then I'm like, then I guess it's kind of a, a modern relationship that, that needs to be studied in a way. But yeah, I never I never feel like I have the intention of manipulating people. I do feel like I have a really personal connection with the people that f- follow my content because I've been doing it for so long. Mm-hmm. And people have been around the whole time. Like, I can't help but feel close to those people.
0: When I think of, like, how many followers you have, I immediately think of a mega Church. madam That's <laughs> I'm sorry! <laughs> but no, there's a point to this. I'm just like...
4: This is a gays only event. <laughs>
0: <laughs> because there's so many people at that church, how can you have like a one-on-one connection? So when you have 20 million followers, how do you have any kind of intimate connection with that many people?
4: I mean, that's, that's an answer I don't really have. Uh, in, in that there are, you know, a lot of individuals who I know their Twitter username, I'll know their first name, if it's like a, a Twitch chat, it's like I can learn information and, and remember information about individuals. But, you know, clearly I can't remember yeah. personal information about 9 million people.
0: But to be a social media darling can create a peculiar kink when it comes to friendships.
4: Because I have t- you know tons of friends in the social space. So mm-hmm. I'll like listen to my friend's podcast while I'm doing laundry. And then I'll realize later on oh, I now know this thing about my friend that they didn't tell me personally, but they told the world personally. And now I'm like, do if this were to come up in conversation, do I tell them I already know because I heard it on their podcast, which really shouldn't be weird because I'm just supporting my friend. But now I feel weird that I know information about my friend they haven't told me.
0: You're having like a parasocial relationship with your physical
3: friend. (laughs) Exactly.
4: <laughs> and that is so unique because most people don't have people in the social space as like their friends. So it's it's a really weird phenomena that I am a part of.
0: <laughs> when you're a vlogger, part of cultivating the large-scale somewhat mutual parasocial relationship is that you define your brand and you keep your followers in the loop as it changes, as you change. Just like Connor has since the early YouTube days. I call it like the pentagram of like White people that TikTok loves. It's like John Mulaney, Bo Burnham, and Phoebe Bridges, and they're like they're like sweet cinnamon roll. I love you. You're never going to hurt me. I'm never like. Do you feel like because you've placed yourself in this world that there is instances of that happening to you? They're like sweet baby Connor. It's okay. (laughs) You'll be all right.
4: I do sometimes get it's my own fault because I feed into it without even realizing i'm feeding into it and then sometimes i'll get mad and be like i'm not a baby i'm a man i'm adult i'm an adult stop treating me like a a cute cinnamon roll don't call me that i'm a i'm a man and then the next day i'll be like i'm a cinnamon roll today so i don't really like i don't it is the strangest thing to have been a part of from the beginning until the present like i have the luxury of knowing what it was like in the very beginning Mm -hmm. from like the the beginning viral videos of you know Leave Brittany Alone, the shoes song, like all these videos, like like all of those things where you know it was before anything was even viral or whatever that meant, to now. And it's it's just like I know nothing else. I know nothing but this this weird reality that we're in. <laughs>
0: This episode was produced by myself, along with Jasmine Aguilera and Noor Buzidi. Edited by the fabulous Kelly Prime. Executive produced by Hannah Rosen and Nishat Karwa. Mixed by Alex Higgins. Special thanks to Jolie Myers. We are a product of New York Magazine. Subscribe today to support all their work at thecut.com slash subscribe. I'm B.A. Parker. Thanks for listening.